The Asian American community remains shaken after an Indiana University student was stabbed in the head multiple times for being, quote, Chinese. This according to the woman who attacked the 18-year-old. We've talked about addressing anti-Asian hate here on the program, but what more needs to be done? So joining us now from Bloomington, Indiana, is Ami Gandhi with the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum, or NAPOF, Indiana, and Senior Counsel at Chicago Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. Welcome to the show, Ami. Thank you for having me. So you're a resident of Bloomington, Indiana, where the attack happened. What was going through your mind when you heard about it? My first concern was for my kids, my family, my loved ones, the IU community, people who are feeling this attack and this threat very viscerally and Mm -hmm. who are scared for their well-being on a very basic level when going through daily life here in Indiana as a person of color. Do you have any sense of of how others in the Asian American community there in Bloomington, how they're feeling and responding right now? The community is reeling from this attack and first and foremost wishing and supporting a gentle and thorough recovery of the young woman who faced harm directly and her family. The community is also mobilizing and while providing a healing space that needs to persist given the continuing racialized violence in Indiana, but also looking at voter mobilization, meeting with civic leaders, and really trying to be more of a resource and more of a voice so that more of the solutions going forward can actually be informed by Asian American women, by people who are most directly impacted by this harm. We don't see a whole lot of that kind of accountability by government leaders in Indiana, and it's clear that that needs to change. Speaking of uh, leaders here, uh, the Indiana University Asian Culture Center, it released a statement after the stabbing and, and said, quote, We implore the public and the city of Bloomington to start conversations about the current racial climate in our city and state. We hope this racial crime in particular will not become another moment of violence against AAPIs. The violence must stop, end quote. Talk more about what needs to be done, Ami. In Indiana, we're talking several steps backward from the kind of mobilization and accountability we see in places with a more pronounced Asian-American community like in Chicago. In Illinois, there are some structures in place like hate crime laws and government commissions. My colleague at Chicago Lawyers Committee, Julie Justice, leads our legal organization's hate crime work, for example. In Indiana, we're talking about getting back to basics of opening up conversations about race, whether it's in the classroom or in a legislative committee hearing It is so taboo here to talk about race, and it's self-defeating. It means that when there is something that actually manifests itself in terms of racialized violence, we don't even have as a a state, as a civic place, the tools and the words to work through that and to find solutions. And that absolutely has to change if we want to curb this rising trend of not just hate crimes, but anti-Asian racism that has been very pronounced in Indiana, particularly growing in the last two years. Yeah, according to a survey from Stop AAPI Hate, uh, it looked at incidents of anti-Asian hate from March 2020 through to March 2022. The AAPI community chose civil rights legislation and enforcement as the third most effective solutions in addressing this, right, in in addressing anti-Asian hate. How would you say Indiana compares to Illinois when it comes to these protections? 
Indiana undisputably has weaker laws and protections when it comes to addressing hate crimes and also more generally when it comes to addressing anti-Asian racism. And we have seen that time and time again from when the state legislature has considered but then ultimately rejected protections for Asian Americans. We've seen even in other spheres when Asian American women mobilized and spoke out about policies that affect us, um, not just relating to racialized violence, but about abortion access. Issue after issue, our voices are silenced Mm -hmm. by government leaders in Indiana. And it's all connected in terms of the various different kinds of disenfranchisement and civil rights violations that our community needs more of a say in. Um, Agree with that, that civil rights protections are only one tool And communities on the ground most impacted by violence have been really eager to meet with government leaders directly. I know it sounds simple, but the simple ask saying, let me meet with you, let me talk with you about the solutions my community has in mind, which might not just be about complicated legal protections. Uh, On that note, I mean, talk more about the work that the, the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum is doing in your state and even here in Chicago. I'm proud to be a chapter member of NAPOF Indiana. When I previously lived in Chicago, was a proud member of NAPOF Chicago as well. And the organization in Indiana, first and foremost, provides a healing space and I find a support group given the local context of suppression of Asian American women's rights and the racialized violence that we've been talking about. There are actually many instances, even predating this recent horrific attack in Bloomington, where I am, in all parts of the state, with unfortunately this just being the most recent in a long list of such incidents in Indiana. NAPOF Indiana also does nonpartisan voter mobilization, including in recent elections and multilingual strategies to engage citizen voters in holding our elected leaders accountable. And meeting with political leaders, even um, on the very local level, even our co-chair speaking out at a Bloomington Public Safety Board meeting just last night to provide ideas for solutions on where we go from here. Ami Gandhi is with the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum, or NAPOF, Indiana. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. We are joined now by Emily Etzcorn, who's a graduate assistant for the University of Illinois Chicago's Asian American Resource and Cultural Center, or ARC. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. So when racial attacks happen, especially on a college campus like Indiana University, how do students react? Because I I imagine it being scary. Yes, definitely. Um, I myself as a student can can resonate with how many of my students are feeling at the center. And that is um, firstly just fearful and and a little paranoid, especially UIC as a commuter school. A lot of our students um, are commuting from far distances throughout Chicago. So many of us take public transportation. And so hearing about an incident um, like this, when folks are just minding their business, trying to get to class, um, that makes us really fearful. What do you do to help students work through these kinds of traumatic events? So our center is um, a general place of support for students on campus, um, whether it is just de-stressing from daily class things or venting about huge life things that have just happened um, or violent incidents. 
And so um, our space is generally a, a space uh, for folks to come and de-stress, um, get what they need, talk to people, um, find resources for what they need, uh, play games, do some readings. And so we generally try to empower students and support them at a very basic level through um, social, cultural, and educational programs and events like that. Um, but we've also had a few more intentional efforts to try and um, combat anti-Asian hate and violence over the past couple of years. So the first one would be um, these bystander intervention trainings that we have been hosting mm -hmm. in partnership with the Asian Americans Advancing Justice um, and a couple of other nonprofit organizations. So these are virtual trainings um, offering interactive trainings um, to help people identify and safely take action on hate incidents. And this is um, geared at many types of audiences. Yeah. So that's one very direct way. Yeah, for sure. So you're doing a number of things, not only just that, that partnership you just mentioned, um, but uh, you've got this anti-bias toolkit on your website as well. That's super helpful, right? Yes. So the director of our center um, created this toolkit online, kind of at the height of some of this violence that we've been experiencing over the past couple of years. And it is a toolkit of um, several resources, tools, et cetera, for students, staff, faculty, community members alike um, that they can use in or outside of the classroom in their daily lives. Um, and it's meant to kind of self-empower people to investigate, unlearn, relearn, and use new information um, and knowledge to address this anti-Asian bias. So we mentioned earlier this uh, Stop AAPI Hate report, right, which looked at incidents over a two-year period uh, of uh, anti-Asian hate. Um, education came up there as the, the most effective solution when it comes to addressing this issue. Why do you think that's the case? Why is education so important when it comes to AAPI hate? Yeah, that's something our center fundamentally believes in. We kind of focus on education experiences of students, um, and we think that that's such a, a basic, fundamental thing to intervene on because it's kind of like the very first level of, of how you intervene. If you if you don't know about these things or you're just misinformed, then um, I don't know, folks are just going to act on whatever preconceived notions or, or biases that they have somehow learned. And so the first step to kind of addressing some of this hate and things that manifest themselves is to unlearn and to, to relearn these things, um, whether you're an ally or someone who is wanting to become an ally. The TEACH Act, what are your thoughts on, on that? It's mandating public schools in Illinois to teach Asian American history in, in classrooms. Is that going far enough? I think that's certainly a step in the right direction. Um, when I had first heard about the TEACH Act being passed and, and in legislation, um, I was happy but kind of surprised that this was not already in effect. Um, this kind of seems like uh, the basics um, that we should be learning about, you know, everyone's history in the U.S. that has played a pivotal part. Um, so I think it's a step in the right direction, but it, it's not the end all be all. Emily Edscorn is a graduate assistant for the University of Illinois Chicago's Asian American Resource and Cultural Center, or ARC. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you. All right, we are now joined in the studio by leaders of two local Asian American organizations. Abby Eusebio is uh, the Anti-Hate Action Center Manager for the Chinese American Service League. Hi, welcome to Reset. Thank you for having me. And Andrea Chu is Midwest Organizing Manager with Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me as well. So you've been listening along to these conversations. I see heads nodding at times, right? Um, how did you both react when you first heard this story of this student being attacked on this bus in Indiana? 
you first, Andrea. Oh, I think um, the first thought was just that I'm I'm tired. I'm tired yeah. of this happening. Um, this is not the first, unfortunately. I don't think it will be the last. And um, over the past couple of years, we have seen so much um, of uh, the rise in these kinds of incidences and um, a lot of conversation about them. Um, and yet we still see uh, these sorts of incidences continue to happen. And, you know, like the other speakers um, today have said, we are just you know, fearful and um, really feeling for our communities and wondering um, what, you know, what it's going to take for these sorts of incidences to stop happening. What's on your mind, Abby? Yeah, also exhausted, but here's another one. And this one, you know, now is public because, um, you know, the witnesses had also helped the hate crime survivor to seek support. So it's, again, uh, that sounding alarm that this made public, but there's so many other hate crimes and hate incidents that still are, you know, don't get the attention on the news. And so it's just um, another reminder for us to organize and turn this kind of uh, rage and anger into purpose and really um, mobilizing, activating our community. Yeah. You know, the student that we're talking about who was attacked is a woman. This conversation, it's been a panel of women, right? What do you want people to know Abby, about the unique vulnerabilities that women, specifically Asian women, face? Yeah, it's, you know, culturally, our uh, community has grown up with kind of this um, mentality of, uh, you know, just keep your head down, keep yourself, uh, and just, you know, don't try to uh, get any negative attention to yourself. And, you know, that's kind of maybe shameful if you do. So when people don't feel that they are empowered to call things out, seek help, and really make sure that they stand up for themselves and and do what's right, then it's really that kind of um, situation where then more people feel like this community is really that passive and that really don't need to listen to their stories and their voices to really take their issues seriously. You know, what stuck with me, Andrea, was an earlier guest saying, uh, it's been taboo to talk about race. Can you relate to that? Yeah, I think there are a lot of ways in which uh, race impacts uh, folks in our community very deeply, but there are oftentimes conversations that we can't have in certain kinds of spaces. And so, yeah, I definitely resonate with that and that um, it is true that there are ways in which um, people really shy away from these conversations about race when actually that is the conversation that we do need to be having. And as we heard from uh our guest, Emily, your group is, is partnering with UIC's Asian American Resource Center. You're doing those bystander intervention training programs. So, so what are the most important things that people should know when it comes to being a bystander? Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest part is that anybody can be a bystander that uh, steps in and intervenes in an incident of bias. Um, And I think that's one of the things that is really empowering is that um, no matter whether you're Asian or not, you can be a bystander that can do so much good um, for another human being. Right. And so that's kind of what we want to be able to train um, a large group of people on is how do we recognize an incidence of bias or hate? And then how do we as individuals understand our place in making some sort of change in that moment or directly afterwards um, to be able to, um, you know, support a person who is experiencing that sort of uh, hate or violence or whatever that may be. And so, yeah, anybody can be uh, a good bystander. This pertains to us all. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So and we've talked quite a bit on this program with your group, right? Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago. 
I know education is a big piece of your work as well. Talk about how your work has evolved in recent months, the group. Yeah, so we were able to patch, pass the TEACH Act, which was really, really exciting for us. It was huge. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We really saw that as patching a hole, right, in uh, Illinois' existing legislation. Um, but I think, you know, uh, as was mentioned before, it is one step in the right direction, but obviously not the only thing that needs to happen. I think there are solutions that can happen at individual group all the way to up to national uh, scale. And then we also are thinking about things in terms of time scales too, right? So there are things that need to happen now, and then and there are these longer term um, sort of projects that we need to start picking away at, such as, yeah, why why are these narratives about Asian Americans so persistent and so pervasive? And so um, I think we, you know, as an organization are starting to have uh, more conversations about what do we do in the long run um, and uh, not just what is happening in rapid response in um, in reaction to not just these reactive exactly. moments. Yeah, which I feel like we end up in that spiral sometimes, right? In Absolutely. that cycle. Your group, Abby, has been working on expanding its work into higher education um, as well. So how does this conversation change, you think, when we enter that college space? Yeah, so not just being reactive, but being proactive and really focusing on preventative measures and coupling education and awareness building with kind of that intentional structure, um, really customizing a curriculum around uh, supporting the Asian American students, faculty, and staff on building that um, skill base and to be able to gain those practical skills to be able to identify um, an incident, a hate crime, and really trying to also educate them on how they can prevent it. And a lot of times the um, faculty and staff may not really just know how to uh, you know, best approach a situation. So we want to be able to um, partner with these institutions to support them and create like a Midwest um, Asian American support network in higher education. To your point of being proactive rather than reactive, do you think that it is a problem when we talk about AAPI hate only when incidents or hate crimes happen? Yes, definitely. And th- these conversations need to happen all the time, not just after an attack, after a tragedy. It has to be continuous and doing it with our black and brown community partners, because we can't do this alone. We have to do it together. And, you know, not just during Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. We need to be doing this all the time and with all different parts of our community, um, chambers of commerce, um, law enforcement, not just educators, um, our youth. And so it's, it's vitally important that it's a continued conversation. Ellen Wu, who's the author of The Color of Success and uh, professor at Indiana University Bloomington, tweeted about the attack and said, quote, in addition to AP and NBC Asian America, more national outlets are covering the story, which I believe is the result of our students calling attention to racial motivation and Asian American journalists prioritizing such coverage. Do you feel that people are less concerned about Asian hate right now, Andrea? Absolutely. So, We um, have really seen this in the interest in our bystander intervention training, actually. So um, during the sort of height post uh, the Atlanta shootings, we saw an immense amount of outpouring and interest in our bystander intervention training. And we're really upset to see that that interest has dropped precipitously. died down. Absolutely. And so these conversations are still happening within the Asian American community and the AAPI community, but much less so Mm -hmm. outside of that. How can we keep this conversation more on people's minds? What do you think? I mean, talking about it, 
on outlets like this one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the ways that Advancing Justice is really trying to continue this conversation is to engage our community and continue to have these conversations and get organized so that we can start to think about what are the long-term demands that we do want to make of um, our elected officials, our our legislators, and our leaders. And so having that continuous year-round engagement of our community to really hash out the details of what it is that is really going to be a long-term solution and then actually pushing for those solutions. And so Mm -hmm. that is really what we're trying to do. Um, So, you know, teach is one step, but there is so much more, right, that impacts our communities uh, that we can really be responding to year-round. And I'll give you the last word, Abby. You know, what's, in your opinion, the big takeaway from this conversation? How how are we going to talk more about addressing AAPI hate and violence before something terrible happens again. So, yeah, it, it's going to take our partners to continuously build that awareness around what a hate crime is, what a hate incident is, and that really empowering the hate crime survivors to know that it's okay to ask for help. Do not suffer in silence. We want to empower community to be able to call things out when things happen on the spot in a safe manner and supporting those hate crime survivors in those times of when they're processing that trauma. And so at the Anti-Hate Action Center, we're really trying to create that safe space to provide um, support right away. And then also with our preventive measures, looking to continue our uh, prioritizing the Asian American youth, because according to CDC, the leading cause of death of Asian American youth ages 15 to 24 is suicide. And there's a lot of still, um, you know, issues that around the model minority myth, perpetual foreigner, that a lot of people still don't know about. And so we're piloting a curriculum called a class, uh, Campus Leading Asian American Support, where we are going to work with uh, university staff and students to really make sure that they're equipped with the knowledge and skills and awareness to end anti-Asian hate on campus. Yeah, And, you know, one in four Asian American youth have reported that they've been bullied at one time. And what's worse is that almost more than half the time there was an adult present and they never intervened. Wow. It'll be interesting to see the results of, of that class once you, you get it going. That's Abby Eusebio, the Anti-Hate Action Center Manager for the Chinese American Service League, and Andrea Chu, Midwest Organizing Manager with Asian Americans Advancing Justice Chicago. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.